Hello and welcome back to another episode if you want to do what. Today we've got Corinna Farrell on and she works within languages and also she coaches people on LinkedIn, um, graduates and people specialising in languages. Hi Corinna. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing good thank you, how are you? I'm good, we're so close to the weekend, I'm very I know. excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm counting down. I am. Um, Corinna, do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yeah, so i um, my kind of main role um, is a translation project manager at a company called Dialogue Language Services. So kind of my main kind of nine to five role is kind of working with a range of clients who want to have um, some of their content translated into different languages, or they may want an interpreter on a call for a conference that they're having, um, or they may even just want um, some of their kind of staff to kind of have a bit of cultural training or a bit of language training. Um, and as a project manager, um, it's kind of my job to kind of, based on their inquiries through to me, I kind of put together um, a project on kind of their needs. So how many translators they need, if they're going to have it proofread, um, can we kind of manage their timescale and things like that. Um, kind of from A to Z of project managing whatever they send through to us, um, through to their final result um, for them to kind of publish themselves. Um, and then in addition to that, on the side, kind of from using LinkedIn, um, I'm kind of growing my community recently. Um, I've recently begun kind of LinkedIn coaching. Um, I kind of have a target niche kind of with this though. So I'm kind of mainly focusing on graduates and kind of people in the linguistic community, um, mainly because that's kind of my area of knowledge um, and where I feel that I can kind of provide the most insight, if that makes sense. Mm, definitely. I mean, we we do want to get in, on to that, that focus because that's really interesting. We've been banging on about LinkedIn ever since sort of, I had some personal branding guys on the podcast um, and they just told me about it. And as soon as we started doing it, our podcast downloads and our reach and our community building on there has been massive. So it's a so it's such a good tool. And we tell every all the graduates that listen to us, please get onto LinkedIn, please use it because you can actually get jobs just from posting on LinkedIn. Like it's an incredible reach at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Like when I was, at, when I was at university, so I only graduated two years ago. So I'm quite kind of fresh to the graduate market, if I'm honest. Um, and the university said, you know, I'll get a LinkedIn account and nobody really thought anything of it. Didn't have a picture. I didn't really have that much information on there. Um, and as kind of graduation was coming up, I actually kind of, I didn't do loads to my LinkedIn, but I did a little bit. Um, so before kind of the job I have now, I was actually recruited via LinkedIn for the first kind of corporate role that I had um, in an industry that, quite frankly, I'd never even heard of. Um, so it was definitely, and it was only through kind of having that profile out there. Um, I didn't, I didn't create content at the time. I just kind of updated my profile a little bit, um, mm. and even just doing that made a big difference to me getting my first kind of graduate job. Mm. and let's talk about languages because we've not actually had anyone on the podcast no. that works in languages so i'm really interested to find out what you can do with that skill what kind of industries you can go into and what it actually involves yeah so languages is actually such an underrated skill i think um especially for those of us living in the uk um it's kind of one of the things at school where the majority kind of dreaded the lessons um it was kind of the back of their priorities in terms of revision for gcses and it was kind of one of them or when I turn 16, I don't have to do this anymore. Um, but on the flip side of that, for kind of the ones that are interested in languages and kind of do choose to pursue them further. So I did them, I did German at A-level through to university. Um, and there's a huge job market out there, especially since kind of we left the EU. Um, 
whether I can have a shortage of language speakers um, kind of needed in all different kinds of industry, but that'd be like automotive, consulting, um, banking. Um, you know, obviously I do work in the translation field myself, but that was kind of through choice. Um, but a lot of people kind of feel that they're very limited to, well, are you going to be a teacher or are you going to be a translator? Um, but I think that's a very, that's a big misconception, if I'm honest, um, because there's a lot of companies out there that want to reach audiences further than kind of the UK or US. And having kind of that ability to have that language skill can help you build your client base a lot more than you may realise, because you're not limited to somebody, you know, who know someone on the, on the receiving end, you may know a little bit of English, that could be a key client for you. But if you can't convey your services in the way that you kind of would to an English speaker, you can kind of your business is kind of limiting itself in that sense. Whereas if you can reach out, whether that be again, banking, consulting, automotive, kind of you name the sector, there's some level of languages that will be needed there and kind of can help grow the market. And given that it's so, there's there's only like 40 universities, I think in the UK where you can actually do German, for example, and that's getting smaller every year. So there's a real shortage of kind of language speakers coming from the UK at the moment. And I'd encourage anybody kind of with the opportunity to, to really give language learning a go. That is actually a great example and something I'd not really thought about. Uh, you know, I worked in the city for, for five years um, in insurance broking. And actually what you're saying makes sense because we had a few people that could speak different languages, like one specialized in Spanish, and they were put on the team that focused on, you know, South America or, or places where that language was obviously spoken. And they were able to build a client base very quickly at a very young age because they had that skill set whereas 90 percent of us don't and we're terrible as a nation aren't we we're quite lazy because we're still struggling english <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> most of us do but we're we'll you know we take it for granted that a lot of the world does speak english in in business you know business but like you say if you can speak their their own language that helps your relationship increase uh, and better it way faster and just to give you an example, like the first graduate job that I did go into was for um, a research firm. And kind of my main role was to call kind of CEOs, um, chief execs, directors of all kind of big companies where due diligence is taking place. Now, I personally didn't really know anything about the financial world or how kind of financial markets worked. Um, but that wasn't the skill that got me the job. Um, I was recruited on the basis of having a German degree because a lot of CEOs and chief execs in like the DACH speaking region, so the DACH is D-A-C-H, kind of referred to for German, Austria and Swiss, Switzerland. Um, I was able to call individuals that other members of my team couldn't, um, which definitely gave them an advantage in kind of the fast paced world of, you know, consulting and due diligence projects. Um, without German speakers, they wouldn't have had, and also French speakers, Swiss speakers, you know, every other language, they definitely wouldn't have generated as much business and as, as many clients um, as they'd wanted to if we'd been limited by just speaking English. Yeah, that's really interesting. But why for you personally, did you choose to specialise in languages? What was it about it that made you go, oh, actually, I, I love doing this? Um, well, it's actually at school, to be honest. Um, so I wasn't fortunate enough to be able to learn two at school. We were sort of told that it's going to be, we have to learn German. We didn't really have the option to learn more than one at the time. Um, and to be honest, the majority of my class didn't like it. Um, and it was one of them subjects where I'd, I'd been on holiday a lot as a kid with my family and I'd always kind of like listening in to kind of people's conversations despite, you know, having no idea what they were talking about. Um, and it was actually in year nine, um, so it was about 13, we were watching um, like a soap opera, but it was for like um, learners of the language. So it was a very basic level soap opera. 
Um, and they made a joke in it. Um, and I actually understood it. Um, and I started giggling to myself and the rest of the class were just sort of looking at me like, what's happened? What, why are you laughing? Um, it's when I'd realised that there was more to life um, than just English and the fact that I could understand a joke in a foreign language. Um, just kind of having that bit more of cultural understanding as well. Um, and like I said, I, I enjoyed it at school. So I thought I'm going to give this a go at A-level. Um, I found the jump to A-level really intense, if I'm honest. I think a lot of the UK language learning um, at school is very much learn this sentence and write it down in the exam. Um, you've got a speaking exam, learn these paragraphs, go and say these paragraphs in the exam, which is not a very practical way of learning because you're very much restricted to them questions. Um, but then when I went to A-level, it became a lot more spontaneous. And we had a language assistant from Germany actually work with us. So we used to kind of have conversation practice one-to-one. -one. And it was kind of the more I was exposed to it, the more I wanted to learn more um, through to then university and then university gave me the chance to live out there for a year as part of my degree um, and really kind of intensify my language learning um, kind of at 100% the speed um, but it's just one of them where I just think whenever I'm somewhere new even if I don't know that even if I'm in Portugal for example I, I don't speak kind of Spanish or Portuguese but just picking up the odd words like obrigada and things like that here and there like there's just something about it that I really enjoy. Mm. No it's a great point and Going back to the university a, a bit, yeah. I mean, I'm, I always bang on that. I, I personally don't see a lot of value in a lot of university courses. Tom went to university, did a master's, like he valued university. But for you, do you think that degree really helped you? And it is languages actually a really underrated degree? I think it's a really underrated degree. And I don't actually think a lot of people understand what language graduates do. A lot of them kind of think back to their school days of what language learning was there. And they don't necessarily realise what kind of goes on at university when you're doing a language. Um, so basically, I, where, if I didn't go to university to study German, I don't think my German would be where it is today. Um, it intensified my learning really quickly. Um, so within like the first semester of university, I was expected to read like philosophical texts from like Karl Marx, wow. um, Freud, Kant. So we did a lot of philosophy kind of directly in the language. Um, we did a lot of history modules covering like um, East Germany, the history of the Low Countries. We did a lot of linguistic modules about how languages have changed and developed. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions around what we actually kind of study. Um, and just kind of having that intense kind of 18 hours a week of everything was in German. The whole lecture was in German. We'd only speak in German. Our work was produced in German. Um, not not only was our German improving but our German was improving on an academic level mm. um, and it's like a working proficiency um I was gonna say is that is that the difference then because like you like you say and I think a lot of people say this a lot of language experts would say if you actually go and live in the country you're trying to learn the language of it helps you and, and you pick it up way way faster but you're saying university gave you the ability to actually use that language academically and probably for your job that you, that you mentioned at the beginning gave you the skill sets to be able to communicate effectively in German. Yeah, definitely. And I did go and live in Germany for a year, like I said, and my German definitely did intensify whilst I was there um, because I kind of, I didn't live in a touristy area. Um, I had to go and like set up a bank account 
um, which kind of meant understanding all like, the legal forms. When I had to see the doc, when I had to go visit the doctor, I had to try and understand the medical forms, trying to register to live there. You know, I was competent enough to understand the forms that I was given. Whereas I feel like if you just kind of moved abroad and winged it, you could maybe struggle if you weren't in a big English speaking region. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I know a lot of people that have just kind of moved abroad and learned the language that way. Um, but I think a lot of people that move abroad and pick up the language, pick it up orally. Yeah, you probably um, get a more slang involved in that. Yeah, language. a lot more slang orally. But then when it comes to like written communication, they can maybe read it. But when it comes to writing itself, it can become a bit more challenging. Um, and kind of university, I think kind of they taught us, it, they didn't just teach us German, they taught us how to use it in like a working professional environment. Like with A-level, you, you kind of come off with your A-level of good proficiency. Like you can kind of talk about, you can have a free conversation after you've passed your A-levels and languages within reason about kind of, you know, like the, not kind of beyond the weather. You can kind of talk about the environment and a few things like that and give your opinion on things. Um, but the university kind of really boosted me to be able to give a presentation kind of on a historical event or a, a key individual Um and it just made living abroad so much easier that the minute I landed, I, I understood what was going on. I could communicate and just kind of building friendships in Germany alone, like drastically increased my German understanding. Because as you notice, I talk very quick in English. Some people talk very quick in German. <laughs> um, and it was just a, a case of when I got there, I was like, gosh, you're speaking so quickly. I understand the words, but the pace is something else. And then by the time I was like coming to leave Germany, I never asked people to kind of slow down. I could keep up with the conversations. Um, so it's just kind of, there's a few, there's so many different aspects to kind of learning a language and like coming to terms with it, if that makes sense. Have you tried um, to study any other languages to well, not the same level, obviously I wouldn't expect to go back to university, but um, because obviously I, I believe German is probably one of the harder languages in Europe to study and learn. It's not easy, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, no, actually, in first year of university, we, I kind of had 10 credits left to kind of use on a different module of my choice. It didn't have to be within the German department. And I did try and learn some Spanish. Um, that was 12 weeks for the first semester, but it was only um, two hours per week. Um, but I just found that it wasn't really enough for me to kind of pick it up, if that makes sense especially given that I was doing like German through the 18 hours of the week, it could get a little bit confusing. And actually in my Spanish oral exam, I did end up speaking German whenever I can <laughs> think of the word, which purely like not on purpose, but um, I found Spanish to be very different. Um, you might have heard of it before, but languages come from different language families. I don't know if you've heard that expression yeah, before. Yeah. So mm -hmm. like English is a Germanic you can see language. similarities, can't you? Yeah, so like English is a Germanic language, so it's quite similar. Um, to like German and Dutch, whereas like Spanish is a Romance language. So that's quite similar to like Italian and French. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if I'm honest, I'd probably be able to pick Dutch up quicker than, for example, like French and Spanish. Whereas if you've already studied French, they say you'd be quite good at Spanish. Mm, okay. Um, and what kind of personality traits do you think somebody needs to succeed within the world of languages? You know, I, I'd imagine it's quite difficult you need to be quite on top of it quite organized but what other kind of personality traits do you think people need to to succeed in learning languages 
yeah, there's, there's a, to be honest, you have to be quite disciplined. The main one is discipline, if I'm honest, because it's not something that you're going to learn if you can't passively learn the language. Um, you've got to really be motivated to kind of take the time out of your day to kind of not only learn the words and phrases, but to sit down and practice it. Um, languages is one of them where it kind of suits all kind of personality types, because if you're quite introverted, um, translation can be great for you if you want to kind of get stuck into a certain project and just kind of be within your own thoughts and crack on. Whereas kind of the extroverted, more extroverted of us might like to be kind of on business phone calls and kind of having that confidence to introduce yourself, understand what a product is, kind of having that understanding of, well, mainly just confidence, really. If you're kind of going to use it in a verbal sense, you've got to be quite a confident person. And the thing is with languages, everybody makes mistakes all the times. Um, it's just a case of, I think the more you do it, the more you start worrying about the mistakes you're making and understanding that the listener often doesn't mind that you've made their mistakes because they, they care more that you've tried. Um, but definitely time management is kind of a big one. Um, organisation skills, kind of prioritisation. Um, you have to be very resilient, if I'm honest. Um, if you're one of them that thinks, oh, I just can't be bothered with this anymore, then it's going to be hard. Um, and it, you're always going to listen or try something once and not be able to do it. Like I remember the first listening exam I did at university it was on a cow farm and it was about it was a Dutch farmer and speaking German and I left the exam thinking I shouldn't be here like this isn't for me like why on earth was it about cows um and it just sort of put me off straight away thinking oh god are all the listening texts going to be like this because if they are I've not got a chance um but then I was kind of fortunate well in the sense that I stuck with it and the more listening practices you do the more like um, exercises and things that you do kind of the more competent you become and the less you dread it less if that makes sense yeah definitely and what do you think has been the biggest positive to choosing to go down and start learning the world of languages because it seems like it offers a lot of potential experiences and and loads of industries you can take this into yeah to understand them my big one is friendship um like I, I moved to Germany I, I didn't know anybody where I was living um, and just kind of having that language, I built so many friendships and built so many relationships with people that I would have probably never been able to. So I met certain individuals in Germany that, you know, couldn't speak any English or, could, you know, maybe tell you their name and their favourite colour. Um, it just kind of opened that door to friendship and just being able to communicate um, abroad. Because, for example, like I can be on holiday in Spain and there'll be someone from Germany there. Um, and you can, you know, strike up a conversation with more people and kind of building connections and net, my network isn't necessarily something I do for kind of profitability business reasons. Um, I do because I just genuinely like getting to know new people um, and kind of a bit about their background and just having that, being able to kind of learn about their personality, learn about their life, um, which you, like I said, you wouldn't necessarily be able to do if you were kind of restricted to kind of what we learned at school. Like you only want to know someone's favourite colour is yellow a certain amount of times before... <laughs> want the conversation to move on a little bit i i am going to resist the urge to make the uh oh, german the towel, oh. towel, the german towel joke. Joke. <laughs> it's just it's not true is it well Tell me it's not true um, i mean germans make the joke themselves as well <laughs> <laughs> it's fair game then it's fair, it's game. fair game you're allowed to use the towel joke <laughs> and on the, the flip side of that what would be some um, less favorable aspects of this industry you've discovered so far um 
I think the less favorable things are sometimes people set the expectation on language speakers that they should kind of know everything. Um, so for example, I know quite a lot about history and some philosophy and things like that. Um, but without doing a master's, it can be quite hard to work in certain industries. So for example, like I drive my car, but I couldn't tell you any of the car parts in English, let alone in German. Or, you know, where I say there's like opportunities out there in banking and things like that. And obviously there's always the opportunity to train up and do that. But I think there's that expectation of non-language speakers to on-language speakers that they should sort of know every word in the dictionary and kind of be competent to everything. Whereas I think along with language, language skills also require you having additional knowledge or additional skills. Um, to be able to work in certain industries, whether that be, you know, again, like I said, the automotive, if you're going to do translations for an automotive firm, you've got to have some awareness of automate, like, you know, the parts themselves of the car and the engine. And you, it's not, you can't, you can't rely on your language skills alone. So like, that's why I do like project management, because I'm quite good at kind of dealing with lots of different clients and kind of growing accounts um, alongside the coaching, like, I've seen enough profiles on LinkedIn of linguists from like when I've been recruiting them myself. So at Dialogue, um, we place a lot of work with translators who are like freelancers. Um, so it's my job to kind of source them and their speciality and their skills. And sometimes, you know, I'll go on their profile and it'll say I speak French. And you think, great, but do you know legal French? Um, and I was finding that it was becoming quite hard at times to find the people that I wanted because they just weren't putting the information that I needed out there that I could read quickly enough. Um, because when you're like recruiting someone for a job, you haven't got time to message every single person that says they, you know, speak French or mm. this and that. Whereas if I can go on your profile and it can tell me straight away, I'm a French linguist, I specialise in legal, my background is this, these are my certificates. Just, I, I'm more inclined to message you because I think I haven't got to spend half an hour trying to figure out what you do. Mm. Um, Let, I mean, let's speak about that, the whole LinkedIn thing, because yeah. as we discussed at the beginning, like we've recently just found this um, over the last few months and it's been a game changer for us. And, and we've been banging on to graduates before that anyway, to use LinkedIn. But, yeah. you know, what made you go, oh my God, this is actually such a great platform and then decide I'm going to show graduates and other people within languages how to use it. Yeah, so I, I mainly so I mainly use LinkedIn before just to recruit people. So in my first job, I was mainly using it just for recruitment purposes, um, to kind of consultants and things like that. And then since I transitioned roles to dialogue, mainly was using it to recruit linguists. But kind of as I was on the site, I was kind of people's posts started to like come up a little bit more because my LinkedIn used to be quite I don't want to say stuffy because that doesn't sound the best. Um, but it was kind of full of jargon that I didn't understand and just like, you know, well, our company's done this, our company's turned over this. And it wasn't really that interesting, if I'm honest. Um, and then certain individuals kind of started popping up on my feed. So then I thought, oh, like, I'm going like, to check out their profile and have a little bit of a read about all the posts they've done. And kind of, I've kind of been doing that over the past few months, kind of even with yourself, Daniel, really. Um, you know, different names are appearing. I'm, I'm intrigued by their profile and a bit about what they do um so just kind of from watching their posts and kind of seeing their content it's kind of encouraged me to want to reach out to people that I don't even necessarily need to work with mm. um just grow a connection with them just like learn from them like a few months ago I'd never even heard of copywriting I only ever thought like the copyrights were like when you go to the cinema 
and it's like you can't copyright this film or like you'll be prosecuted um so like I'm kind of learning about people's jobs out there in industries that kind of you're kind of promoting on your podcast I guess um that I just had no idea about or how they worked and it just kind of made me think oh I wonder if anybody you know would be interested in any of my ideas so I just thought we'll just give it a go but the worst thing that can happen is people don't like it and then I can just you know take it from there what I do um but I just thought I think it's easier behind a screen to write it and you know stand up in front of the amount of people that end up engaging with you and um interacting with your posts but I've just kind of found from doing it I've already got like a big community now like in the US Nigeria the UK India like from all over I've had people messaging me now and if I had never posted in the first place um that would never have happened it's so true isn't it like like you say it is actually quite nerve-wracking I think when you first go to post because you're like oh god what if people see it you know what if my friends or family will see it or nobody interacts or whatever but I promise you if you start posting it is so worthwhile I mean we both experienced it um we see each other's content we interact there's a whole community on there of people that do the same and the reach you will get is phenomenal and I think people worry about like the negative comments that will come from it and I actually think LinkedIn's one of them profiles on platforms where people with negative comments tend to just keep them to themselves so you know kind of you go on Facebook sometimes and you dread to even see the comments of certain posts that people put out there like a lot of hate and the comments or on Instagram or whatever whereas I think what I liked about LinkedIn is is a lot it's not like a vanity competition so sometimes I'll go on LinkedIn, not LinkedIn, I'll sometimes go on Instagram, for example, and it can feel like a bit of a vanity competition, like who looks the best. Um, whereas on like LinkedIn, it's not like that. Um, and it's no, about like your content and your ideas, not your appearance as such. And that's kind of why I chose to invest most of my time for the community on LinkedIn, because nine times out of 10, but perhaps even more nine times out of 10, people are going to be nice. The people that are not interested will keep scrolling and those that are kind of will reach out to you whether that be a like, whether that be a comment, or even I get even just a lot of messages in general that can like spark conversation. And like I, I, I sit in my room all day. I work from home, and I do, and I do love my job. Don't get me wrong, I do. Um, but I don't have people around me all the time. Um, where so like as much as my team does like Zoom calls and we kind of keep in touch on Slack, and they do that. We kind of do a lot of what we can, like catch ups, how's your day, and all of that. But like LinkedIn's allowing me to kind of grow that community even more um of kind of people that I can reach out to or were different in like there's certain friends on LinkedIn I have because we both like football I got some because we both like German I got some you know we've kind of developed conversations on the basis of our posts and kind of friendships yeah certainly I think uh, I think it's it is a professional platform and it does come across people don't have the anonymity they can have on other platforms so um people are very unlikely to troll really but for you looking at um city from more of a a recruiter side of things um and looking for people um to employ what are some of the best things you see when you maybe go onto someone's profile or see what they're up see what they're doing on linkedin and you go yeah that's the sort of thing you should be doing yeah so like recently for example i coached somebody on their profile and it's and it said that he freelanced at this company so then I said, like, oh, I'd maybe add in there, like, how often you freelance there and what you do. And then he said, oh, no, it, it's my company. I don't freelance there. And I was like, oh, well, your profile, you know, suggests that you just do ad hoc work there. Like, it's not clear that this is your company. Um, and I was like, you need to kind of write that how you founded it, kind of what the values are of that company. 
or whether you're a freelancer kind of how often you like to freelance are you kind of normally available Monday to Friday to be reached out to what kind of project work are you interested in so is it legal is it automotive is it is it wine and utilize um your banner a lot of people's banners have nothing on it or just like pink um there's nothing wrong with that but the banner is also a great place to you know pop your email on there or just kind of your title so it's kind of eye-catching to people um just kind of what your background in education is so for my job in particular I have to look for people that have um, a degree in translation so they can't just simply be like a native speaker they have to have a degree um, and we use different softwares within translation like Memsource and Trados um, which would kind of mean more to kind of the linguist listening to the podcast um, kind of do you have skills in them softwares they're called cat tools um, that kind of be key information because that'll kind of help determine if we can kind of if it'd be quite smooth to work with them um if you kind of have any payment terms um if you have a website um just lots of different like how don't try and I did a LinkedIn post once around um they're called the LinkedIn games and it was a cool guess who and don't leave people guessing who you are like don't be afraid to kind of explicitly put everything on there because it just helps your audience so much understand who you are what your background is um, rather than just, you know, Karina, project manager, full stop. Um, give yeah, as much information as you can. Um, so would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now? Yeah, I would actually. Um, I do really enjoy working um, within translation project management um, at Dialogue. Um, it's a great company um, to work for. Um, I enjoy kind of the interpreting. There's a bit of subtitling involved as well. So if you think about when you watch your Netflix series and things like that, the subtitles come from somewhere. Um, you're kind of that person that nobody sees, um, but makes kind of a big difference to people's experiences and lives. Um, and it kind of helps develop my language skills at the same time. Um, and then on the flip side of that with the coaching, um, I'm really glad I started doing it because it's one of them things where you think, will anybody actually care what I have to say or, you know, can I actually do this? And having the people trust me that have already done it to work with me um, and have kind of enjoyed their sessions, kind of if anyone's looking to kind of coach on LinkedIn or put their services out there, whether that be linguistically or, you know, for whatever other reason, uh, I'd say just go for it. It's not going to be something that's going to grow overnight. Um but as long as you can get the first few people interested, I definitely recommend giving it a go, whatever your service is. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's really interesting. Like you said, we've never had someone that specialises in languages on before, so it's been really interesting. I definitely think it's actually a really underrated skill that I'd encourage people to uh, have a go at. Definitely. <laughs> and, if, and, and if anybody is interested, my company, Dialogue Language Services that I work for, do offer language training um, as a good place to have a look. Of well on that note thank you for coming on but um where can people find you as well and um see what you're up to on linkedin and stuff yeah so my name on linkedin is just karina farrell um and i kind of post perhaps tiny two three times a week on there um the content can be a bit random <laughs> um i guess but i do try and post a little bit about kind of inspirational posts or kind of linguistics language specific things or about years of my year abroad so if you're ever kind of interested in maybe studying abroad and what that entails, it can also be something that I'm more than happy to kind of hop on and chat with you. Um, yeah, I only really work on LinkedIn, if I'm honest. I kind of use my other socials more for like friends and family, but I'm always kind of keen to grow my LinkedIn community to those that 
can put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Karina. Thank you ever so much. Thank you.